Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it's all because of my incredible guests. I feel incredibly fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game, and they are passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional life. My guests nothing back. They're here to share the secrets of peak performance with us, And I know you'll find their insights both inspiring and actionable. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take your life and business to the next level. And our topic today, are you focused on the right roles for you? Is it helping you advance your career? Are you making the kind of impact you want to make? My guest today is Sonia Dino-Price, and she is a top career strategist, a salary advisor, and a leadership coach. And her mission is to support professionals to have greater meaning excuse me, better work-life balance and significantly higher pay, and we're definitely going to be talking about that. And she has worked directly with Tony Robbins, trained with Al Gore to become a climate reality leader, and won an honor award from the Women's Economic Forum. And I'm losing my voice. Hang on. We've had weird weather here. It's hot, cold, hot, cold, and I'm paying the price for it. And Sonia has also helped many clients land their dream job with prestigious prestigious, you're going to be doing all the talking, I'm telling you right now, organizations (laughs) such as Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Meta, Starbucks, T-Mobile, and many other large and small organizations. So in this episode, you are sure to learn many excellent techniques that you can immediately apply to accelerate your career success quickly, have more work-life balance, and that is so important, and make significantly more money, Sonia. (laughs) Sonia, Sonia, it's Sonia. I'm so busy trying not to cough on you. I can't even pronounce your name properly. I'm so sorry, but welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Hey, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. I've been looking forward to this interview for for a while now. I have too. And normally I'm in better shape. So when I tell you you're doing all the talking, I'm probably not joking. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's weird. I, I don't have a sore throat. It's just my voice keeps crack, keeps cracking up. And because I'm concentrating on that, I can't pronounce simple words. It's embarrassing. So anyway. <laughs> it's all good. We're going to do this together. We're good. Good, good, good. So I'm so glad to have you here. I've you know, been watching you. I've been lurking. I'm a secret lurker. You have done some <laughs> fascinating things. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, life is short, so we got to keep it interesting. And, you know, there's there's not that much time to really get out there and make an impact. So why not do all you can with the limited time that we have, right? You know, that's so true. A friend of mine, just well, a friend's mother passed away, and I loved her mother. And she was 99 and a half, a little over 99 and a half years old. And I kept thinking, that's too soon. She's such a fascinating mm. person. It's just mm-hmm. too soon. You can be almost 100. It's like, you can't go. We need you. 
Yeah, and now with advanced technology, I think we're all going to have the option, um, not all of us, but some of us will have the option to live longer. Like, you know, the technology just keeps getting better and better. So I think we'll have more options to live even longer if we want to. There you go, if we want to. So tell people a bit about you and how you got to where you are. I mean, when I was reading your bio, I was thinking, geez, why is she here with me? I mean, I'm feeling really impressed oh, come with myself. On, <laughs> You're a change maker too, I know it. You've been running this podcast for how long now? 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. I can't even imagine the amount of people that you have touched uh, with your words and your expertise and the guests that you've had on as well. It's the guests, and I'm getting ready to start. I I broadcast live Mondays and Fridays, and now I'm going to be doing Wednesdays as well, which Ooh. is a departure, and I'm getting ready to write a um, yeah, press release about that. But I'm very excited. I'm thinking, though, that by Saturday, each Saturday, I will have no voice at all. You would think I'd have a strong <laughs> voice. I don't, <laughs> but it's going to be really fascinating. So so how did you get where you are? I mean, you share your journey if you don't mind. Sure, sure, sure. You know, well, so first off, you know, I'm my mission. I am just so passionate about empowering employees um, and conscious companies to evolve so, so that billions of people in the planet can flourish for many generations to come. Um, that's like my really overarching mission. And what that looks like in the practical day-to-day is I refer to myself as an expert career strategist, a salary advisor, and a leadership coach. So I primarily work with mid- to senior-level professionals, and I really help them identify exactly what they should be doing with their talent so that they can have jobs that matter, they have jobs that are meaningful and engaging, and that pay them the compensation that they deserve as well, and that they get to make the kind of impact that they want to have in the world. You know, we talked about how short life is. Um, Everybody has the ability to make an impact. I don't care if you have a full-time job, you own a business, you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't really matter what you do with your time. I think it's up to each of us to really be thinking about how do we use our talents for good so that we are making an impact and that when when we're gone, you know, that we, people look back and say, wow, that person made a difference. I love that because you just don't know how you made a difference or what small thing that you said that was a throwaway thing. I've had that happen to me many times in my life. Just somebody would say something that's a complete throwaway. And 20 years down the road, I'm still thinking, uh-huh, it happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you asked me how I got my start. (laughs) Um, You know, many years ago when I graduated college, I really had no, no clue what I wanted to do with my career. And I've always considered myself to be a pretty, you know, dynamic and creative person. And at the time I was creating documentaries um, until I figured out that, wow, there's really just not that much money in it. You know, you can definitely make a big difference and have a big impact making documentaries, but um, I just was not committed to having the starving artist lifestyle. And so I started looking around for a job and I ended up landing this job working at this really cool tech startup company. And I started as employee number two 
and was there for five years. We got several rounds of funding. And when I first started, I was basically kind of in like a glorified admin position. I was fresh out of college. I had zero experience. But that job was probably one of the best jobs that I could have had right out of college because I gained an immense amount of experience in a very short period of time. And so each and every time that we were looking at hiring people, I would sit down to have a conversation with the founder and say, hey, you know, I see a need for us to be doing these kinds of things. How about I take that on? And then we can hire someone to backfill my position. And so I started taking on more and more responsibility. And in my early 20s, I had quite a bit of responsibility. And I started having people report in to me. Um, and quite honestly, it was like one of you know the best opportunities that I could have landed right out of college. Um, fast forward from there, I you know, went on to get a master's degree. I was really, I started to get really interested in team dynamics and leadership because I saw how, what was happening with this company culture when we were growing from a very small, almost kind of like family focused team because it was, you know, just a handful of us to begin with. And then we grew and grew and grew and grew. And just seeing how, as we added new people to the team, how the company culture and dynamics were shifting and changing. So I got really interested in leadership went back to school for that, um, ended up writing a couple books about leadership and, and career advancement. Um, and I, you know, all this timeline is not exactly <laughs> um, linear, but I, I also was just, you know, moving on to new companies, new leadership roles. I was making significant, significantly more money in my career and how I started to stumble into career coaching was that I first, I had people like friends and family that were coming to me and asking for support with their career. Like they were seeing what I was doing in my career, how I was making these big, huge leaps and bounds. And they were like, hmm, can you show me how to do the same thing? And so at first it was just for fun on the side of a full-time job. And then just helping people with resumes and preparing for interviews and whatnot. And then I started getting referrals and referrals from referrals. And then I was like, wow, I think I actually have like a business here. So I started charging and I was doing that very successfully for a number of years on top of a full-time job. And then the more and more that I worked with clients, I started to realize that there's actually several key stages to the overall career transformation. And I think a lot of people will just think like, okay, I want a new job. I need to update my resume. And in my experience, most people are missing out on some very key steps. Um, when that's all that they think about, there's so many more pieces to the puzzle that, that, can, that oftentimes is, is necessary to give people that full-blown, holistic, and um, satisfactory experience in their career. So for folks who really want to have a meaningful career, you know, I kind of walk through this whole process with them and help them really understand, like, what is it that they should actually be focused on in the career? And we build out a career roadmap that includes well-defined key decision-making criteria. Um, you know, and then we work on their career profile. We work on their branding across the board. So it's not just their resume and their LinkedIn profile. Those are very, very important components of the overall process, but it's a, but, but it's a, a piece of it. Um, 
And then we look at job search and networking and interviewing, really helping people feel very comfortable explaining and describing who they are, um, especially when they're making a pretty significant jump in their career. Sometimes they need some extra support to know how to describe who they are and what they do. And then we'll also help support them with salary negotiations. Um, oftentimes they're making significantly more money than what they were previously making. I actually helped one client make up to $250,000 more per year than he was previously making um, by making you know, a huge shift in his career. And then you know, we, we continue coaching people in a leadership capacity. It's like once they're in their new role, just to help them hit the ground running, make sure they're building a strong foundation, a strong reputation for themselves and starting to know how to prepare for, you know, like how do they do that internal networking and get exposure for the good work that they're doing so they can start to prepare for their performance reviews and start to look towards that, that next promotion that hopefully will be coming soon. So you basically, you help them get where they want to be, but you stay with them for, I guess, a, a predetermined amount of time and make sure that, yeah, they've got the job, but now or how are they showing up in the job and how are they going to, you know, get those promotions or get the attention of the, the C-suite people? Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every, client, every client is a little bit different. So, you know, not everybody, um, we don't work with everybody for an indefinite amount of time. Um, but... Um, some people need that. Some people really want and need it because they're making such big jumps in their career. They land in this new role and they totally have the skills to do it, but there might be a little bit of imposter syndrome or there might be some things uh, there. Like, I was oh. going to ask about that. That's a big thing mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll continue working with the client, help support them through, you know, whatever challenges that they may have in their, in their, uh, their new position um, and really help them prepare for a lot of those, those key elements that are so extremely important. It's like once you get a job, it doesn't mean that you're automatically successful. It's like, you know, you want to, you want to keep progressing your overall career path and the more strategic that you are about that, you know, usually the quicker that it happens and the, the easier that it happens too, like the more gracefully that it can come about. That makes sense. So Sanya, you had mentioned, and maybe you just covered this and, and I'm not entirely sure, but you mentioned key steps when looking for a new job that we often miss. And I agree with you, resume, those things get shredded. I've been in offices where we would open the front door and piles, people would shove them underneath the door and put another pile to be looked at later. They just, resumes can be tricky, I think, from my experience. But then, you know, you've got people going, well, you know, now what, LinkedIn? I, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. Why isn't anybody hiring me? So let's talk about those mm-hmm. two things just in a little bit more depth if you can. Absolutely. Yeah. The first step, in my opinion, is, it's so crucially important to have what I call a career roadmap. You know, most of us work for organizations where the organization itself um, or the department or the team, and, you know, oftentimes across the board, we're doing annual planning, quarterly planning, monthly planning, weekly planning, and we go back and we do reviews. Hey, here was our plan. Did we meet our plan? Did we meet the objective? 
oh, we didn't? Okay, what do we need to do differently? But how often do each of us do this for ourselves on an individual basis? Yeah, in my experience, I'm most professional. Yeah, not I, <laughs> I haven't. And I'm listening. I'm writing yeah. notes going, okay, Denise, yeah, your career is one that you built, but are you stuck? Are you stagnant? Where do you want to go? I, but I don't have a roadmap. So I am yeah. listening very intently. <laughs> well, it's so easy to do because, you know, we're so busy and there's so many distractions and there's so many things telling us you should do this, you should do that. Um, but, but in my experience, there's no one telling us, well, what are you doing with your career? What's the next step for you? I mean, maybe you have a great mentor, a great boss, or someone who's asking those questions from time to time. But in my experience, at best, it's maybe once a year um, when you're sitting down to do your, perf- your annual performance review, if, if you're right. an employee, right? If you're a business owner, you have to take this on on your, on your own. Or maybe you hire coaches that are going to help, help you do this for you. Um, and, you know, or if you're an employee, you hire a career coach, you hire someone like me that's going to really help you take a holistic look at where are you right now in your career? What skill set do you have? What are the available opportunities for you? Like what would be feasible for you to pursue? What would be some stretch roles that you could go after? Um, because most often I see, you know, when people change jobs, they usually make a lateral move and they're moving from, well, I've always done this or this is what I'm doing right now. So that's what I'll do again in the future. Um, Or they're like, you know what? I'm tired of doing what I've been doing. I want to do something new and different. But then they're still marketing themselves exactly as they were for the previous positions. And so when people want to make a change, you know, whether it's to, you know, get promoted into a higher level or focus on a new area, like a new niche in their industry, or they're looking to completely transform and do something totally different, most people um, don't even sit down to do that planning process. And when I sit down with clients to create this career roadmap, we get really, really, really specific. We look at what have they been doing? What could they be doing moving forward? Is there a skills gap? And if so, what is that skills gap? And how do they close that as quickly as possible? We also look at key decision-making criteria for them specifically, because sometimes people will um, they go after a new job and they accept the first job that, that they get hired on for. And then, you know, three months later, they're like, this is a horrible company culture. I hate my boss. Um, you know, gosh, how did I not know? Why did I not think about these things? Like they don't even support, you know, diversity in leadership, but you know, they're not a very ethical company. They don't do this. They don't do that. And I could have made a lot more money and I didn't even pay attention. Um, so we actually get really crystal clear on what is that decision-making criteria. And you can think about it like, you know, if you've ever um, dated or looked for a mate in life, you know, sometimes you write out a list of like, here's what I'm looking for in my partner. And then you might evaluate, does that person match up against that list? Hopefully, hopefully people are doing that. <laughs> um, you know, so we want to do the same thing for our career. And then, once we get clarity on here is exactly what we're targeting, this is, the, this is the right level, the right title, the right industry, the right companies, and here's exactly what I'm going to be looking for in my ideal dream company. Well, then from that point, now let's get into the career branding. 
now let's write a resume that actually matches those goals and objectives from that very first stage in the process. Because I think most people, when they sit down to write a resume, they look at it as more of a historical record of like, here's everything that I've ever done in my career. And that's certainly what a resume should represent. You know, it should say like, here's my skills, here's my strengths, here's the results that I produced. But unless it's actually written in alignment with the direction that you're trying to go, you're probably always going to continue to land the exact same positions that you've always landed because that's what your brand says about you. And I love what you're saying about career brand. It was just recently that I even heard that as a term, um, which I find fascinating. I wasn't aware of it, but then again, I work for myself. Well, I work for my feline office assistants, but I work for myself. But Mm -hmm. a career brand, let's talk about that because I think since I'm hearing it now, I'm fascinated by the term. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so a career brand, you want to think of yourself as a professional, that you represent your own brand, just like a company has their brand, like, you know, Apple or Google, Nike, whoever, you know, whatever your favorite brands are, you think about who are they? What do they represent? When you think of that brand, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So you want to think about yourself as having your own career brand as well. And that that goes across several key areas, right? It, it, it could be as simple as your resume or your LinkedIn profile, because oftentimes that's the first point of reference that a new employer might have about you. You know, if they've never had the chance to meet with you, they're going off of what, what they can see that's written about you on paper or online. And so we have to think about, you know, what, what's the level and the title and the types of roles that you're going after, um, what what would be unique about that company that they might look at you and say, oh, yeah, this person is immediately a good fit for our organization, um, the types of results that you produced, all of these kinds of things. And so we want to make sure that your resume and your LinkedIn profile um, adequately represent you, not just adequately, but we're looking for something that really shines, you know, that stands out um, in comparison to competitors other people who are looking for the same job um there's an average of i think it's it's anywhere from two to four hundred applicants per open job so Mm -hmm. you think about trying to be the one how many of those land in the shredder exactly exactly um and you know there's data out there that shows us that well first of all the first decision maker is like if you're applying for a job online The first decision maker in the process is the ATS system, the applicant tracking system. So when you apply for a job online, your resume oftentimes goes into this big database. They call it an ATS system, applicant tracking system. And, you know, these systems are getting more and more and more sophisticated over time, but it's trained to go and look for specific keywords or specific titles or type of education or different types of results. And, if, it, if that computer-generated system, that search bot, does not find what they need to find about you, you're never even going to have a human being look at your resume. So that's the first decision maker. And then when we actually have like a recruiter or a hiring manager that looks at, at someone's resume, the data shows us that the first time, it's a seven-second scan. So we oh, have yeah. seven Ouch. to make an impact. 
Um, <clears throat> and then moving forward from there, you know, we need to make sure that there's eye-catching content on there and that there's going to be com basically conversation pieces that when someone sits down to interview you, that they're going to look at specific things on the resume and say, wow, you know, I'd like to hear more about this. Um, so the first, the first step in building your brand is, you know, what's written about you on paper um, and knowing what the decision-making process looks like through all the stages of the interview, quite honestly. But then in addition to what's written on paper, you have to be thinking about how do you represent yourself in a networking or an interviewing conversation? Things that you say about yourself, what's the first impression that people gather when they meet you, um, you know, and, and so that goes through all of the key phases and that includes networking conversations in addition to interviews. And then, you know, hopefully you do a standout job of that and you get the job offer. And then, you know, building your professional brand goes long beyond the interview process because as soon as you start your job, now people have the opportunity to actually get to know you. So how do you represent yourself on a day-to-day -day basis? What do you say when you introduce yourself? What do you say when you show up to meetings? How, who do you become known? You know, what do you, what do you become known for? Are you the go-to person to get specific things done? Are you the person who always complains? You know, are you the negative Nelly that's like, oh, my God, there's another project, you know? hopefully this one gets done on time or oh, we don't have enough budget to make this happen. You know? So it's like, do you become known as someone who is a leader and someone who drives solutions or do you become known as someone who um, puts roadblocks in place and makes it really difficult for people to get things done? So that's kind of like a, a real high level overview of a professional brand and what, everybody should be thinking about in developing themselves and knowing what kind of lasting impact that you have on people simply through what you say about yourself, how you show up in the room. Um, and sometimes that can be from just from purely from an energetic perspective as well. Like, you know, we know that, um, what is it? 70% of communication is nonverbal. So, you know, how you show up in the room or on a zoom call, or whatnot, right? Or like, or an email. <laughs> it's an email, Seriously. exactly. Emails, yeah. You, you know. get make big mistakes because you can't nuance an email or a text. You have mm -hmm. to be careful. Mm-hmm. Yes, I wanted, exactly. If I coughed on you earlier, I hope I didn't. But if I did, I apologize. I've been hitting my mute button like an insane person. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't even. I hope I, oh, I hope I didn't. Um, but anyway, you mentioned networking conversations, and I admit I have not. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I mean, I have networking conversations all over the internet, but I'm not looking for a job. So point me mm -hmm. in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think with networking, you really have to question what is your goal, what's your objective. You know, like for you. I'm not sure who you're speaking to or whatnot, but it's like you have this, you have a podcast, right? And that, that's, that's your goal and objective is you're trying to produce a podcast. So you're looking I for expert guess. guests to be yep. on your show or, you know, maybe you're looking for people to help you produce it or promote it and market it. Um, so you have to be thinking about, you know, what's the ultimate goal? What are you trying to accomplish for? And then be looking for the right people to help you accomplish that mission. 
Um, in corporate life, you, you want to be thinking about, well, what's your overarching career goal and objective? You know, maybe a lot of the folks I work with, like they're um, leadership bound, they're trying to get into leadership or into higher levels of leadership. So what kind of network do they need to have to help accomplish their goals? Well, they need to get exposure with key decision makers and key influencers. So when I sit down with clients, I ask them to build out a network map, you know, either for their organization or other organizations and be thinking about, okay, okay, so if your goal is to get into this type of position, who needs to know about you? And then how do you create opportunities to get introductions there, to be in the same meetings as them, to have opportunities to present, um, you know, some of the work that you've been working on, um, and it can, it can go in a it can go across um, many different occasions, many different opportunities, right? So it could be in a meeting at work. It could be um, I've done a lot of really valuable networking at like um, organizations I've worked with that do like volunteer days, you know, so they have like Day of Caring with United Way, and like everybody shows up. Wow, well here's my opportunity to actually talk to the VP because we have this whole day together in the woods. You know, we're like picking out blackberry bushes or, you know, invasive plants or whatnot. And so it's like, hey, we're all kind of like on the same level on those types of days. So how can I, um, you know, connect with them and be in the same work group as them or whatnot or at the Christmas party or sometimes it's just hallway conversations or sometimes you have to ask to um, get an introduction, like ask someone else to introduce you, someone else who's who already works with that individual. So it could be like people that are key decision makers that are in your direct department. Um, or maybe you're looking to get connected with people in other departments because maybe you want to move into a, a new work group or maybe you want to move into a new organization and you don't know anybody in that new organization or you know someone in that organization, but you know they're not at the right level. So maybe you just start networking. You say, hey, um, I'm interested in learning more about your organization. Is there anyone there that you could connect me with to talk about this topic or whatnot? And um, you always want to be thinking about who are the key decision makers, who are the key influencers. Um, and key influencers are not necessarily decision makers, but maybe they have connection points with the decision makers. Um, so you want to build out a network map of like, who, who do I need to have in my corner? And maybe you don't even know the name or the title of that person yet, but maybe you start to list out what are the qualities that you're looking for. And you can, you can also try to find mentors and sponsors. So people who have, who have traveled your path before, that's typically how I think of as a mentor. A mentor is someone who has actually done, um, done what you what you what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. They've already paved that path. They've gone that road. So that would be a mentor. A sponsor, a lot of people don't know what a sponsor is, but a sponsor is someone who is actually in a position where they can advocate on your behalf and help open doors for you. So you want to be thinking about the differences between those two roles as well, because sometimes we go, we, we connect with mentors because we know that they have the skills and knowledge and expertise 
but they may not necessarily have that social capital to help you, you know, move into a new position. So you also want to be looking for sponsors or people who can actively open doors for you. And they could also be a mentor, but they don't necessarily need to be a mentor. They could just be someone who, you know, sees you, sees your value, sees what you're capable of and can help, help make the right introductions for you or get you into the right rooms so that those opportunities start to come into play for you. And I'm listening very carefully and scribbling notes, and it seems to me that everything you're describing needs to go both ways. You can't just be the one in the room taking everything and never offering a darn thing. I see that Yes, yes, yes. Such a good point. Such a good point. And I think we so often forget that in networking that we – we look at, okay, what, what's here for me to gain? What can I get? Um, but oftentimes the, you know, coming, you know, approaching this from the space of giving will get you so much further than if you're just there to take and think about what's best for you. So, and even when, you, when you're looking to connect with a really important person, um, if you can approach the process of like, how can I help you? What problems can I solve for you? What introductions can I make for you? Um, that will get you so much further. Um, and don't forget, you know, quote unquote, the little people too, because you never know who knows who. And so, you know, you want to be looking in all directions of, you know, how can I be, how can I add the most value here? Um, you know, you definitely want to be thinking about what are my goals and objectives and what am I looking to accomplish with this? But if that's all that you're focused on, then, you know, sometimes it may not happen as quickly as you may want or think that it should, because sometimes it's just the energy that you bring to the situation and, you know, the more generous that you can be. Yeah. People notice, people notice and they They know that you're not just in it for you. And they may so, not say anything, but they're listen. People pay attention to how you behave. They they take mm-hmm. blah, 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 pay attention to how you show up. I didn't even drink coffee. I don't know why I'm stuttering, but anyway, people do watch. We're observed all the time, whether we know it or not. And you know, you're talking about, you know, share. You know, share your information. Share resources. I do that with my podcast. I am constantly, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to call all of my high-level podcast friends, people who have high-level podcasts, and say, do you want to meet Senya? And they say, well, heck yeah, and then off we go. <laughs> oh, cool. So wait well, for it. Would, It'll uh, happen. I would certainly appreciate that if you do that. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm happy to support you too, you know, like I will help promote this episode. And if there's other people in my network that I can introduce you to that I think would be great speakers for your show or – you know, if there's other things that you're looking for, please let me know, and I will certainly be on the lookout for it, too. Thank you. And see, our audience, this is how you network. You know, you mm-hmm. just say, listen, you know, I've got this and you've got that. I would love to be of assistance. It may be a year down the road, and I'll be going, hey, do you want to meet this particular podcaster? I think you'd be a good fit. I never mm-hmm. forget who you are, and I'm always looking for opportunities for all of us. Yeah, so yeah. I guess that's the best way to talk about you know, how well, do there's you show always um, the six degrees of separation, right? They say right. You're, you're no further than six degrees from pretty much anyone in the world. Um, a really great example of 
the the giving side of networking that I've seen recently, and I just wanted to say this because it's been so touching. Um, you know, there's been a number of layoffs that have happened recently in the tech industry, and I've seen yeah, a few people yeah. post on. Um, I've seen people post on LinkedIn that they just they put a, a blanket post out there and they say, "Hey, I know there's a lot of layoffs that are happening, and there's really good people that are without work." Um, if I can be a resource to you, if there's anyone in my network that you would like an introduction to, or you're just looking for a thought partner to sit down and talk about things, or if I can help review your resume, please reach out. And I find that so touching, right? Cause they're just, you know, putting it out to their entire network and you don't know who needs help. You don't know who, might read that message and be like, oh, my God, you know, what an angel. Thank you. That's exactly what I needed. Exactly. And people don't know how to ask or who to ask often. They just don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know what we don't know. So when somebody can step up and say, like like these people are doing on LinkedIn, which I think is brilliant, and I think it's just so very kind of them, Look for those people because they're the ones that can probably help you or guide you or introduce you to someone or just make you feel like, you know, the world is an ending. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Malcolm Gladwell um, wrote a book a number of years ago, and he talked about all the different types of people. And you really want to be there's, – there's different types of networkers and – probably the most valuable are what he calls the connectors. And Mm -hmm. those are the people like those people who posted on LinkedIn and said that immediately it's like, ding, 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 that's a connector, right? Because they're just offering it without even having a specific request for it. And those are the, those are the people who are generally out there consistently building and growing their network. And they probably tend to know more people um, and know more people at a like authentic level than the average bear. So exactly. you kind of want to be trying to look for those people who just inherently have that skill and are actually delighted to help support and empower people and make the connections and, you know, see what they can do to help. And so you're describing yourself. You are very much a connector. You're also a subject matter expert. So once you've figured out that you were indeed a subject matter expert, you took off and and built your own business. And from the sounds of it, you love what you do. I do love what I do. I find it very rewarding. It's very fulfilling. You know, I love helping people move through the whole transform transformation process. Just, um, you know, people come to me and oftentimes they're really burnt out in their career. They're like, Oh, I, you know, I have so much to offer, but I'm so burnt out. Like I need something that's a better fit for me. And so helping them find, find that thing that is a better fit where their skills and talents are more appreciated and respected. Um, they can make a bigger impact in their life. Um, and usually people end up making significantly more money when they come to work with me as well. So then, you know, seeing, the kind of impact that that has on their personal life and their family as well, you know, and it's not all about making more money. It's what the money can help people do in their lives. Um, You know, and the ability that they have to give back as a result of having more money. 
So, yes, I love what I do. I love what I do, and I love the um, kind of the ripple effect, the ripple effect of the change that that can make in the world as well. It shows. And what we're talking about now leads me to ask you why employees should pursue higher-level leadership roles. And I think the, the word there I'm really looking at is leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, leadership is not for everyone. Um, but if it is for you, you probably already know if it's for you or not. And I wholeheartedly believe that we need to have more conscious leaders in this world. And we have people who are leading from, you know, authentic and servant leader practices. It makes the world a better place. You know, we all, um, we, you know, most of us work 40 plus hours per week. And if you're putting that much time and effort into a job, you know, generally that's more time than you get to spend with your, your family, your loved ones. And, you know, so if we're putting that much time and effort into our careers, why not be doing something that we love? And if we have more conscious leaders in place, then it will make the world a better place because in day in, day out process, imagine all the people that we touch um, through the meetings that we go to, the projects we work on, all of those kinds of things. So um, leadership roles. You know, I'm just such a firm believer in getting more conscious people into leadership roles because I think that that makes a big impact. That can make a big impact on our on our planet over time. Um, and as as professionals, you know, I find that the more that when we put challenges in our way, when we go after stretch roles, that oftentimes makes life more interesting, more engaging. And so, you know, finding something that's a little bit of a stretch for you can give you those, those challenges at work, but like fun and engaging challenges that help you continue to grow your skill set and help you further your career and help you, um, you know, feel better about who you are and what you have to offer. It's like when we always stay in the same role, things start to become very stagnant over time. And we do have a lot of boomers that are retiring right now. So we actually need more leaders in place. And, um, you know, I believe that there's a big transformation happening in the leadership space right now. And I think our organizations are having dramatic shifts as we start to get more conscious leaders into these leadership roles. I think our companies are going to start to make bigger and bigger impacts in the world. And um, we have some big, we have some big problems we need to solve in the world and I believe that corporate America can be a, a pretty big component of making that change. I happen to agree with you. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, corporations, they're evil. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to go down that road with you. You can tell by my voice how disgusting I find that. But you're talking a lot about conscious leaders. Describe that mm-hmm. to me. What does that look like to so, you? Yeah, conscious leaders are um, – Leaders who are in tune with their teams, um, they understand, they have a unique understanding um, and that they sit at the intersection between what is, the, what is the organization trying to accomplish and then who are the people who need to accomplish that mission. And so 
conscious leaders have the ability to make an impact in both directions, right? So if they're part of those strategy meetings where we're trying to decide what, you know, what's next for us, what are our goals, what are our objectives, what's the mission of the organization, um, what are all the core components of this new key initiative? So they have the ability to influence, you know, what is it that the organization is actually moving towards? And of course, it depends upon the level of leadership, you know, the highest level gets to set the the, the tone and the overall direction for the entire organization. Um, and then there's the cascading effect as it goes down the chain, so to say. Every leader has an opportunity to influence in both directions. So they can influence the higher-ups and the key decisions that get made, and then they get to influence you know, their team members and the people who are actually getting the work done as well. And I think oftentimes there's a big missing link that when these directives come out, we may or may not be thinking about the people who are actually doing the work. So having a more conscious-based approach is staying in tune with the people of the organization and, um, and the ripple effect that comes from that too, right? So I always like to think of things from a more systemic perspective because we have, you know, if we, if we go really, really super high, we can think about what's happening on our planet what's happening in the globe, how, do, how does each organization have an impact on that, then who are the key leaders inside that organization, what are the decisions that are getting made, then, you know, the cascade effect of each of the leaders and their part in it, and how connected that they are to the people who are doing the work, and then we have to think about the end user as well, it's like, what's, what's the end product, what's the, the product or the service offering of what we're creating, and is it meeting the mark? Is this something that people really want? Um, and and then what's the impact, the after uh, the after effect of that product or service offering as well, right? Is like, is it a product that does good for our planet? Is it a product that does good for our people and our communities? Um, so I like to think of that's what I when I talk about conscious leadership, that's what I think of is like thinking from a really high, high, high level um, and, you know, how decisions can actually make a big impact in the overall operations of the world. But then on a day to day basis as well, it's it you can look at it from a relationship perspective and, you know, all of the different communications and touch points that we have on a day to day basis. So if you think about the relationship between an employee and their manager, um, you know, how, how attuned is the manager to the employee and vice versa? Is that a positive working relationship? Does that, um, you know, is, does that leave people, are both people left inspired at the end of the day? Are both people fully engaged in the work and what they do and, are they making a meaningful difference together? You know, and it's like, we can look at it one-to-one, we can look at it across a team, we can look at it across a department, but the more consciously attuned, you know, each of us can actually live better lives because we're not bringing all that stress and chaos home on a day-to-day basis. And when we have people that are in tune with each other and have good communication And that doesn't mean that everything has to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies all the time. There will be challenges. There will be conflict. There will be things that pop up. 
but even in those moments, it's how we respond that really makes the biggest difference. And so knowing that people are authentically connected, we're there to do good work, and we're aware of all the challenges, and we're actively working through that together. So There's so much more I can say about this. I could go on and I on and know. on, but I'll, I'll pause at that. <laughs> I'm scribbling notes, but while you're talking, I'm thinking, boy, we have come a long ways and continue to need to go further between the relationship that people had with their boss, who was basically sitting in the corner office saying, everybody do what I says and nobody gets hurt is the way I always took it. And leadership, there's a difference between being a boss, an old-fashioned type of boss maybe, and a leader. And I think that is really coming to the forefront these days. We know that we need it. We know that we can't just be bossed around and say, oh, go do this, go clean the bathroom floors, go that, 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 that. That's, nobody mm-hmm. wants that. So Mm-mm. we're moving, I think, in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's such a um, dynamic mix of generations in the workforce right now. And, you know, the millennials and the Zoomers, they're not going to, they're not going to stand for that old, that old style of leadership. So things are dramatically shifting and the boomers are retiring. Um, There is a, there is a big, there is a big transition that is happening in the workforce right now. And we can see it happening. You know, there's much more conversations about diversity and inclusion and, equitable pay and there's a lot more things that are coming to the forefront that were never even discussed before and you know even now we're talking about things like the great resignation and quiet quitting and hopefully companies are paying attention to this and they're you know actively making shifts internally to address these core issues and it's difficult change change can be challenging it doesn't happen overnight but it happens one conversation at a time. And I believe that we're having those conversations and the organizations that are not having those conversations um, will either get on board soon or, you know, things may start to um, disintegrate. Sonia, I'm not entirely sure that I understand. I mean, I see, you know, the terms great resignation and quiet quitting, but it's not really part of my life. So I'm embarrassed hmm. to say I haven't paid much attention to it. Talk oh, with us about no that. Um, yeah, so the Great Resignation was a, a term that was coined during the pandemic. And, you know, pandemic happened. We were all sent to our rooms. <laughs> That's how mm-hmm. I like to say You know, we, have, we were all, um, you know, in, in our homes. And I think people really started to pay attention to what really matters. You know, I was like, wow, I have more time at home. I'm, I have more time to spend with my family and my loved ones. Yeah. Or I would know. say jokes like, you know, I met my wife and my children. They seem nice. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's funny, <laughs> but it's not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think people, you know, during the pandemic, people either – grew significantly closer or much, much further away. You know, I think there's a lot of, I I think that, you know, there's some divorces that came out of the pandemic as well. So it's not like it was all um, perfect, but I think even in that, you can say people really started to pay more attention to what matters. It was like, who am I? What kind of life am I living? How does my work fit into that? And I think people realized that they were giving 
much too way too much of their energy to their jobs. And I think in this culture, you know, certainly in America, we tend to give too much of our identity to what we do for a living. And so I think people really started to question that. And it was like, you know, well, now that I have a little bit more time and space in my life, you know, I'm at home, I'm spending more time with myself, I'm spending more time with my family. What is it that I really want out of life? And how, how does my career fit into that? And so I think, you know, and not only that, but it was like, people were still working and working a lot, even though we were at home, and we we're doing things virtually. So the great resignation was a, a term that came about that was like, boy, I am just so resigned with, you know, like, I don't think I'm focused on the right thing in my career, or maybe this isn't the right culture for me. I don't feel like my company respects me and values the work that I do. And so, you know, initially it was this term of the great resignation. And then maybe a year, year and a half later, we started hearing this term called quiet quitting, which really just means kind of like doing the bare minimum to get by. It's kind of coasting. So it's like, you're still working for the organization, but you're not actually there. You're not fully present. You're not, you know, so maybe you're, maybe you're still doing the bare minimum to get by. So you still have a job, you're still collecting a paycheck, but you're not actively involved. You're not fully participating. And, you know, maybe your coworkers are starting to question if you're even there anymore. <laughs> like, you know, are you fully present? Are you, are you there? And that sounds so depressing. Those two terms. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have Very to depressing. live like that and recognize that you're just getting the paycheck and you're not really earning it. At some level, mm-hmm. you've got to be probably looking at medication or, you know, getting a, something. You know, you've got to do something different. Potentially, yeah. I mean, we we definitely have a mental health crisis in our in our country right now, and um, so there are there are other other factors at play. Um, you know, and if, um, I don't, I don't want for, uh, you know, mental health medication to be stigmatized. Like, I think it can Mm -hmm. actually be a helpful component if people really need it. And if people need it, use it, you know, it's it's a wonderful tool that's available. I agree. So we've all, oh, geez, we've only got about five more minutes. So, And this was the most important thing I wanted to ask you because we've gone through all the different kind of components about how to find a job, get a job, move through your job. But here's, here's the question people are wanting to, to know, have an answer to. How do you ensure that you are being compensated what you're truly worth? That's a big one. Oh, yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, this is very important because I I think that many people don't stop to look at that. Many people are grateful to have a job and they got hired at what they got hired for. And they, they're getting, maybe they're getting a raise on an annual basis, but they may not have stopped to take a step back and look at the bigger picture to actually understand what the market rate is. Um, so to know if you're being paid fairly, you want to go out and do the research and there are wonderful tools available online. Um, I use Glassdoor, Salary, Payscale. There's a number of other ones out there as well, but those are, you know, the main ones that I refer to. And you want to look to see what, what does 
someone in your in your level and in your title, what are they making in your industry and also in the um, either the specific organization that you work for or similar competitor organizations. And that last piece is super, super important because a lot of times people will go online and they find a salary range for a specific title and they might just, they might make immediate um, deductions where they say, oh, well, I'm above or I'm below or I'm right in the middle, so I'm fine. But then you actually want to look get even more granular and more detailed in looking at your specific company or competitor organizations because every industry pays differently and every company pays differently. Some companies are really well funded, some are not. And so you want to you want to be aware of you know w- what the going rate is for someone in your level, your title, your industry, your organization or competitor organizations and then while you're doing that research, you could also be looking for other organizations that may tend to pay better. And then you can be evaluating their company culture and their work environment to see, oh, well, might that be a better fit for me? And could I potentially be targeting roles inside of these other organizations that could potentially pay better than where I'm at right now? And That's kind of the short version of that question. Oh, thank you. And I'm I'm a familiar with Glassdoor. Um, geographics. I mean, I'm guessing that when you're looking at how you're being compensated, some of that's going to be predicated on where you live. Absolutely. Yep. 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 I'm glad you brought that up because um, geographics can certainly make a very, very big difference of this. Um, if you live in a, a tech hub or um, a place that pays higher for a certain industry that can definitely make a huge difference. Um, And even now, you know, we have so many remote positions now, even if you have a fully remote job, you're working virtually and maybe your company is headquartered somewhere else that can make a big difference as well as like, you know, I didn't even think of that. Mm -hmm. What is that organization um, used to paying their employees? Like what have they historically paid their employees? And then they do still factor in your specific location of where you live and, um, you know, where you live and how that, how that geography contributes to, you know, the overall cost of living and that sort of thing. But if the company is headquartered in, say, the middle of Kansas versus San Francisco, uh, most likely the organization in San Francisco is going to pay more than the one in Kansas. Um, but of course, it depends upon what type of organization and, you know, their overall financials and how well the company is performing, um, you know, and then depending upon where you live, whether you're in Seattle or Kansas or Florida or whatnot, that'll also have a big factor in it. And these, are, I hope people are taking notes because these are important things to consider. Listen, before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience and you had mentioned in our virtual green room that you've got a free resource. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, yeah, I have a free career assessment. Um, I love when people take this assessment because, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier with that career roadmap of like really identifying how do you know what are the right things for you? What's the right decision-making criteria for you? I have developed 
a free career assessment. Um, it's called, Does Your Work Work For You? And, you know, it takes probably three minutes to fill it out, answer, answer several questions, and it'll give you a personalized output to help you be thinking about what are the types of things that you should factor into your overall decision-making criteria in terms of what's next for you and, um, you know, what's really going to give you that unique sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. So people can find that on my website. Uh, my company is Dynamo Careers. So if you go to Dynamo Careers, D-Y-N-A-M-O-C-A-R-E-E-R-S.com, forward slash assessment. You'll get immediate access to this free does your work work for you career assessment. And um, that'll also put you on my mailing list. So if you'd like to stay in touch, would love to connect with you and hear, you know, what you're about, what's going on in your career. And if I can help, great. I would love to be a resource for you. Thank you. This has been wonderful speaking with you. And I thank you for all of the terrific tips and advice. And honestly, two or three things that I just had no idea what they were or, you know, how you advance your career. How do you find, you know, how to be compensated? I had no clue. So this, I think, has been very, very helpful to our audience. So thank you for all of the tips and advice that you shared. And before we wrap up today's episode, if you have enjoyed today's episode and found our insights helpful, please leave us a review and rating on iTunes because your feedback helps us improve and reach more people on their own success journeys. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and colleagues. And look for Sanya. Go to dynamiccareers.com. I love that name. So thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one. Sanya, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. It's been an honor to be here with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.